Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Mitterell. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. As you know, I recently had the opportunity to attend the annual 2023 Building the Bridge conference. This year it was held in Houston, Texas. A big shout out to Pastor Ron Macy and his team, the Building the Bridge director, uh, Brother Dave Henry, uh, all of the speakers, the panelists. The men who uh, spoke in, uh, in the breakout sessions, the men and women who spoke in the breakout sessions, just fantastic job all around. Really enjoyed it. This was my first year going, and I plan to go every time there's a conference. It was just absolutely ministry shifting, uh, and uh, I look forward to the next one. I wanted to share with you all this uh, on today, share with you all a session that occurred on Friday morning during the men's breakout session where Dr. Victor Nyarko spoke to the men about fatherhood. Dr. Nyarko is a trained geologist and scientist turned into a Holy Ghost-filled Bible teacher and conference speaker. In fact, he has authored 11 books. He focuses heavily on unveiling deep revelations of Scripture in the most simplistic way. Dr. Nyarko earned an undergraduate and graduate and postgraduate degrees from the University of Ghana, Stony Brook University, and Cornell University School of Industrial and Labor Relations. And since then, he has lectured at a number of universities and Bible colleges and has spoken in many conferences around the globe. He is actively engaged in a radio Bible teaching ministry air that airs Monday through Thursday at 8 p.m. on 88.9 FM. Dr. Nyarko is the pastor along with his wife, Joan. They are pastors in the Bronx, New York, uh, at Victory Family Worship Center. And during this men's session, the 2023 Building the Bridge Conference, Dr. Nyarko speaks to the men about being godly fathers and how godly fathers are the foundations of societies. When I say that he provides some deep revelations about biblical fatherhood, you might be inclined to pause the recording after each point 
and you would be totally well within your right. It would be totally understandable for you to do that after you listen to this, this uh, conversation and this message from Dr. Nyarko. I did want to mention here again that this podcast is available on major streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Playlist, and others. Pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, you can search for us, South Carolina, Building the Bridge Podcast. You can connect on our website at scbtbministries.bio.link. And that will that website has all of our links. You can join our mailing list there uh, and just stay connected to what God is doing through the South Carolina Building the Bridge Ministries. Here is Dr. Victor Nyarko. In secular universities and Bible schools within the United States. Dr. Nyarko travels often with his Matthew 25 mandate mission team to many nations of the world to preach the gospel and provide humanitarian assistance to orphanages across the continent of Africa. He passes a vibrant, growing congregation in the Bronx, New York, where he also lives with his wife, Joni Lane, and children, Victoria, Vanya, and Joash. Dr. Nyarko, we want you to come and let the Lord have his way in the next 30 minutes or so and speak to these men here at this BTB conference. Let's welcome Dr. Nyarko. Maybe see. I have some few copies of books at the back. Please, when we are done, you can grab one. Every one of them is ten dollars to support my journeys and my travels around the world. Uh, this is Kingdom Focus. It's on worship. This is uh, the Prodigal Father. You know why it's Prodigal Father and not Son. This is uh, the Order of Melchizedek. This is uh, four degrees of relationship, and then I have dealing with rejection. I have a disconnected generation. I also have beauty, beauty for ashes. I have where are the fathers? Amen. Are there some fathers in the house today? Where are the fathers? Amen. And then when you go there, you see three books that say blood zone. Amen. The first one is divine empowerment on the blood of Jesus Christ. The second is blood and fire on the blood of Jesus Christ. The third is Antidote. This is the bestseller. Amen? Recently, I had a bookstore, a, a chain bookstore call me and sign a contract to deliver this. Amen? The latest book is The Former and Latter Rings. This book is not yet out, but you can get electronic version on Amazon.com. Amen? It will be out in July. Can we all stand, please? Hallelujah. Because of time, I want to be as quick. I will cut and paste and make everything short. Amen? Can we bow our hearts in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you anoint me for this purpose. Hallelujah. To deliver your word in the name of Jesus. Grant me all trance by the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. I want to speak to you on the topic, where are the fathers? Amen. Where are the fathers? Hallelujah. Now, without understanding, life becomes an experiment. And its reward is frustration. Amen? Now, fatherhood is a very urgent topic in our day and time. Society's problem today is not a motherhood problem. 
It's a fatherhood problem. Amen? It's a fatherhood problem. Before the pandemic hit, we were already in fatherhood pandemic. Amen? Hallelujah. And let me give you the bad news first, and then I'll give you the good news, which is the gospel. Amen? Now, according to Time magazine, fatherlessness is the most destructive trend of our time. Now, what this means is that it's more dangerous than drug abuse. It's more dangerous than teen, a teenage pregnancy. It's more dangerous than alcoholism. It's more dangerous than even gang violence. The absence of fathers in the home. Amen? Now, fatherhood is one of God's greatest revelations and gifts to mankind. Right? God gave us the highest honor. All right, by giving us the title that belongs to him alone. Him alone is the father of all things. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 1 says, For God who has sundry times and diverse manners and in many ways spoke to the fathers in the time past have now speaking to, uh, spoken to us by the son. Now what is the message of the son? The message of the son is to restore the hearts of the children to the fathers and the heart of the fathers to the children. Amen? Are you with me? And so we see that God revealed himself in many ways, many times, and in many manners. Now, Jesus did not come to the scene only for the sins of mankind. But God, Jesus came to be what? The standard of God. Amen? To be the blueprint of God. Amen? To be the express image, to correct some ideologies, some ideas that we had about God or some perception that we had about God that, was, that were all wrong. Jesus came to correct it. Amen. So besides salvation, he came to reveal the Father to us. And that is why when he was teaching the disciples, when they came to him and said, teach us to pray. He said, when you are praying, don't address him as Elohim. Don't address him as uh, God Almighty. Don't address him as Ancient of Days. We don't address him as El Shaddai. He says, when you're praying, say, our Father. Amen? Say, our, be, it's very simple and straightforward. Address him as what? A Father. Say, our Father. By this, Jesus was showing us another side and nature of God that we did not know much about. That is just the revelation of God simply as Abba. Amen? Say, Abba. Say with me, Abba. So, God as Abba. Listen, when you call God, you stand before the Lord and say, Oh Lord, I know you are the ancient of days. Let's be real. It makes him very far away from you. Ancient of days. Hallelujah. But when you kneel before the Lord and you say, Father, it, it, it has some closeness, some nearness. Amen. Right? So he taught us, he gave us that revelation so that we will be near to him. Amen. He was described by his motherly attributes in the Old Testament. Alright? But in the Old Testament, he didn't reveal much about his fatherly attributes to us. So we see where God was referred to in Hosea chapter 12. He was referred to as the mother bear in Deuteronomy 32, as the mother eagle in Isaiah chapter 66, as the one, the mother who comforts her children. So all along we know him as El Shaddai, we know him as Elohim, we know him as the, the great and mighty God and all the elders. But we did not know him as the Father. Amen? We did not know him as the Father. 
So he was revealed as El Shaddai. He was revealed as all this name, but not as a father. I want to take a little, digress a little bit and talk about El Shaddai before I move on. Now the word El Shaddai comes from two Hebrew words. El means the strong one. And Shaddai means breast. Amen? Or the breasted one. So when you say El Shaddai, what you are saying is that you are talking about the strong breasted one. Amen? So when you think about God as the El Shaddai, what you are thinking about is you are imagining God as a breastfeeding mother. Amen? And when mothers are breastfeeding their children, they cannot breastfeed their children while doing the chores. They cannot breastfeed their children while washing dishes or doing the laundry. Mothers will take a chair, sit down, and while they are breastfeeding the child, they turn the child around. That is when the mothers check the child out. They see, check the ears, they check the eyes to see if there are some developmental issues with the child. Right? And when they give the child their own divided attention. Amen? So when we go to God as the El Shaddai, what the Lord does is that whilst he is responding to our needs, he checks us out, amen, to see what else is going on in our lives that needs his undivided attention. Hallelujah. So you might go to God and say, I need healing. And God said, no, you don't need healing. You need wholeness, amen. Hallelujah. That's why the woman, the, the, the man at the at Bethesda, at the pool. When the man saw Jesus, he said, Jesus, I pray that you will heal me from my impotency. Jesus looked at the man and said, he didn't, Jesus didn't say to him, do you want to be healed? He said that, do you want to be made whole? Amen? Because God cares about our wholeness than he cares about just our ignorant Accent of things, heal me and give me this and give me that. Amen? Because he is the El Shaddai. Everyone say El Shaddai. For so long, the male has determined his manhood through his roles in society. But there is something wrong about that, brethren. Let's be honest. Society shouldn't be the one determining our disposition. Amen? When one considers their manhood by what they do, Instead of who God created them to be, there is a great problem. Big problem. When I was growing up, they told us, you know, any little thing, my father would say, be a man. Everybody heard that before? Be a man. Be a man. And when they tell you to be a man, right, what they are trying to tell you is that grow up, be responsible, right, take care of your family, take care of your family's bill, make sure your family are okay, and all that. That is good. That is good. That is good. But then, you grow up and you met a woman or a lady who have more money than you do, who have their own car already, they have their own home, they have their own everything already, and now you realize that the be a man concept is failing. Because the be a man was with the intention that you would take care of a woman who had nothing. But now you meet a woman who have everything. And you realize that your world is falling apart. And you don't know how to be that man you were told to be. That is why there is a problem with role. So instead of going with the role, go with the purpose. Everyone say purpose. Ask God for your God-given purpose. 
I got to rush through this. I got to rush through this. But the Bible says that the purpose, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 19 verse 21, it says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The Lord's purpose that will prevail. So the easiest way to destroy a person is to distract them from their purpose. If you can distract a man from his purpose, you will lose that man. Amen? You will lose that man. So verse, the Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, the purposes of a man, uh, the purposes of a man's heart are in deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Everyone say draw out. Now draw out means it's already in you. It's already in you. Who put it there? God. Who draws it out? You and I. We need to draw our purpose out. Amen. Now let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God gave Moses specific instructions. He said, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee above on high, above all nations of the earth. But then the verse 15 says, but if it, but it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord, to observe to do all the commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall be upon you. Now notice something. God did not call Moses to come and form a religion. Amen? God did not call Moses to come and form a, a, a system of worship. Amen? God called Moses to create a nation like no other upon the surface of the earth. That was what God called Moses for. And when God called Moses, God gave Moses specific instructions about how this new and peculiar nation that he's about to establish will be governed. And some of the key elements of the governance of this nation shall be blessings if they obey and curses if they refuse to obey it shall be the governance so you notice that the book of Deuteronomy 28 when you get a chance to read it it gives a whole lot of curses from verse well, 2 to verse 14 I mean the blessings but when it comes to the curses all the way from verse 16 to the last verse 68 are all curses meaning that the curses far out normal the blessings so it is very clear it is very clear that when God gives commandments with promise watch this and they are not kept curses are that which fills the void curses are that which fills the void when God gave Moses the ten commandments God says that these Ten Commandments, they are going to be other laws. But these Ten Commandments are going to be, what? The pillars of this new nation. And among all the Ten Commandments, there is only one of them that came with promise. All the others did not come with promise. The only one that came with promise, according to Ephesians chapter 2, he said, honor thy father and thy mother. 
which is the first commandment with promise. Everyone say with promise. That thy days may be long on this earth. So all the others did not come with promise. But only this one come, came with promise. And so this is the first commandment. But that was not the first that was listed to Moses. It was the first with a promise. The first with a promise. All the others did not have promise. Therefore, church, let me submit to you. Could it be that when death reigned in our society, when crime reigned in our society, when violence reigned in our society, when unrest reigned in our society, could it be that all this is due to the dishonor of fatherhood and motherhood? Today we have numerous programs to support mothers. But what program that we have in society to support the struggling father who want to lift up their family? Today we have Mothers in Crisis Center. But have you ever heard of Fathers in Crisis Center? The devil will not have it. Because the devil knows what you have got. Amen. Today we have, we have, we have, we have a battered women recovery center. But have you ever seen a battered man recovery center? Hardly. If you see one, show me. So notice that the place of fathers, when the place of fathers are not honored in society, what comes to society is death. Because the promise was, honor thy father and mother so that thy days will be long. Now the promise attached to honoring fathers was what? Long life. And therefore, if fathers are not honored in the society, the reverse happening, that is death and violence and every sort of crime. Why? Because fathers are not honored. Let's watch this. In Luke chapter 3, verse 38, when Luke was giving the genealogy of the human race, look at what Luke said in the verse 38. He says, which is of the son of Enos, which is of the son of Seth, which is of the son of Adam, which is of the son of God. Adam had a father. Who was Adam's father? God. He said, Adam, the son of God. Right? So, because God was Adam's father, whenever fathers, that is why Adam fell apart. When he declared his independence in the Garden of Eden from his father. That whenever fathers declare independence from their children, what happens is a fall apart. Oh, Jesus Christ. When fathers declare independence from their sons and daughters, when sons and daughters declare independence from their father, society enters into disaster. Am I speaking to a church? Everything fell apart when Adam declared independence from God. Why? Because God was his father. It's not just good, it's true. (laughs) 
The most important thing in the development of a family and society is the presence of a father. Can I see fathers here? I'm talking to the right crowd. Amen. Because as goes the father, so goes the family. And as goes the family, so goes the society. Everything sinks down in a chain reaction. Amen? So church, we need to know our role. Now, what is a father? A father comes from the Hebrew word Abba. Say with me, Abba. Now, Abba means the root of something. It means the source. It means the protector. It means the progenitor. It means the author. It means the cultivator. It means the nutrients and the nourisher. It means the defender. That is Abba. So if you can provide for your family, if you will be the root and anchor of your family, then you qualify to be Abba. But if you cannot do any of these things, then you lose your role as Abba. Amen? Modern society has almost gotten to the place whereby the woman is becoming the Abba. I'm treading some dangerous grounds, but after that I'm going back to New York. In fact, Monday I'm going to Ghana, West Africa, amen, for African Ministers Conference. So you will see me on the continent. Hallelujah. You can come against me, but I'm telling you the truth, amen. I'm telling you the gospel truth. We have some families, some household that, well, you know, forget about household where there are no men. But even some household where there are men. The woman is being the Abba. But God did not create the woman for that. God did not give the woman the capacity to carry the family. The husband, the father has the capacity. the devil, think about this, why would the devil, why is the devil after the male? Why is the devil so much after the male gender? They are building prison to keep our men in prison. They are building more jail houses to keep our men. Their focus is not so much about, about the women, the men. Now, if you were the devil, that's something I don't want to say, but if you were the devil and you know that the man is the root, the man is the foundation, the man is the sustainer, the man is the defender, who will you go after? You will go after the man, of course. Notice something, when Eve ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden, Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But the Bible says in verse 3, in chapter 3, verse 7, that immediately Adam ate the fruit, the eyes of them both were open. Why? Because the devil is not really after Eve. He is after Adam. Why? Because, notice, when Eve ate the fruit, nothing happened. Nothing happened because women don't carry seed. So although 
sin in disobedience. His sin was not the target of the devil. The devil wanted to pollute the one who carries the seed. And that one is Adam. So the Bible says, eat earth in the verse 6 and nothing happened. But immediately Adam ate it. He said, for the eyes of them both were open. Because each sin does not pollute a seed. But Adam's sin pollutes a seed. Let me go quickly. Let me get to some father-son relationship. Father-son relationship. Here. Jesus says something. I will never forget. In Matthew 11, verse 27 and 28, he says, all this, all things are delivered unto me of my father. No man knows the son but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father save the son. Now, what Jesus was saying, brethren, this is one of the few exclusivity tests, tests in the Bible. There aren't, there aren't many exclusivity tests in the Bible, but this is one of the few exclusivity tests in the Bible. Now, what Jesus was saying was that, Jesus was saying, as the son, I have an exclusive knowledge of the father that no other person has. And likewise, my father has an exclusive knowledge of me that no other person has. Do you know your children very well? Do you know your son very well? Do you have an exclusive knowledge? Some of us, people tell us about our sons and we are shocked. Why are you shocked? Are you not the father? Your teacher, your daughter's teacher tells you about your daughter and you are shocked. Why are you shocked? Are you not your daughter's father? It means that you don't have an exclusive knowledge of your daughter or your son. But look at what Jesus said. He said, for no man knoweth the father except me. Meaning that my knowledge of the father surpasses everyone else. I know you buy 500 sneakers, dollar sneakers for your children. I know you buy them $1,000 iPad and iPhone. But that cannot replace your, you being Abba. That cannot replace you being Abba. At times, I have children who at times I'm scared of. I'm scared of in the sense that they seem to know me more than I know myself. I go to my son and say, son, what do you think about this shoe? He look at me and say, nah, daddy, this is not like you, nah. And immediately they say, no, I stay away from them. I stay away from it. Because I know they know me inside out. Amen. That's your children, do your children. Does your son know you that way? Does your daughter know you that way? Does your son have an exclusive knowledge about you? That when somebody says, your father did this, they can stand and say, Lord, my father, my father would not do such a thing. Do the 
exclusive knowledge about you. Let me go quickly. Quickly, quickly. Jesus said something in Luke chapter 11. Jesus said this. He said, if a son, watch this, if a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will you give him stone? If they ask for fish, will you give them serpents? If they ask for an egg, will you give them scorpion? Here again, Jesus is teaching us the father-son relationship or father-children relationship. He says, for any of you who is a father, if your children ask for fish, will you give them a serpent? If they ask for bread, will you give them a, a, a stone or, or whatever? Now, what Jesus is trying to say is that Jesus was trying to pronounce an indictment against every male who shunned their responsibility as fathers. It is an indictment. If a male cannot take charge of his household, that male is only a sperm donor. Excuse me, there are no children here. Can I say that? But any male out there on the street can be a sperm donor. Is that true? So what is the difference between that irresponsible man at the corner of the street and you in church who are saved and sanctified and yet will not take care of your business? A gentleman came to our church in the Bronx the other day, was jumping all over the place, seemed to be saved already, and we were so excited. God, we thank you for new addition to the church. He visited a few times, and then after that, they said that about the third Sunday, a lady showed up after service, and the lady said, Pastor, can I call, can I speak to you for a minute? I said, come on. He said, you see this gentleman? Is he a member of your church? I said, well, he visited some few times. He said that she, he is not paying child support, Pastor. He's not paying child support. We have three children, and he has not given me a thing. Hey! Pay your child support before you lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Am I speaking to a church here today? Oh, Jesus Christ. When a man cannot take care of his own household, Bible says he's worse than infidel. You're jumping around the place and you will not pay child support. Shame on you. But Jesus says something. He says, for if ye then, being evil, everyone say evil. evil. Jesus calling us evil, that is not what Jesus meant. He said, for if ye be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more the Father will he give you the Holy Spirit? Now, what Jesus was saying was that man, even in their fallen state, should know better to attend to the needs of their children. That's what he was saying. Man, even in their fallen state, meaning that even the worst of men should be able to acknowledge the fact that this child is my responsibility. That's what Jesus was trying to teach us. But there is something else Jesus was trying to teach us over here. Jesus expects even the worst of men to still have conscience and compassion, even enough to respond positively to the needs of their offspring. But then he said again, watch this. Ye, ye being evil, know how to give good gifts 
Now, what this means is that the proof of fatherhood is not having, is not in the having of biological children, but the proof of fatherhood is in your ability to give. If ye being evil know how to do what to give, shall we be give? Shall we be give? The proof of your fatherhood is not how many children you have. The chicken can lay eggs too. The chicken can hatch it too. Are you better than the chicken? My goodness. Your ability to be able to give. Your ability to be able to release the goodness of God. Your ability to be able to take care of your responsibility. Your ability to be able to fend for your family makes you a father. The Bible says, a good man, everyone say good man. A good man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. You can hardly bear the weight of your children. If they add the weight of your children's children to it, won't you collapse? A good man leaveth inheritance for his children's children. That is passed on to the next generation. You can hardly take care of your children. Now, if they add the weight of your children's children, will you survive? Will you survive? Can you walk before the Lord in such a way that someday when you're not here, your children can live by your name, your good name? Can you? Can you leave a reputation behind that someday when you're not around, your children can say, my daddy is Bishop this, or my daddy is Brother this, or my daddy is this, and they'll say, oh, you know, is that your father? Then come in. Can you leave that inheritance for your children. Amen? The other day I went to Home Depot. We wanted to do some renovations. I went to Home Depot. I was in the line. And you know what? Since I've been preaching all over the place, at times I get my sermon from some weird places. I got a sermon. The Holy Ghost gave me a sermon right in Home Depot. I was in the line, waiting for my turn. There was a gentleman behind me with two, uh, three little kids, like the ages uh, seven, five, and, and three. And the three-year-old said, Daddy, I want to pee. We're doing this. Daddy, I want to pee. Daddy, I want to pee. And I, I, I couldn't believe my ears what I saw, what I heard. The father turned to the child and said, you know what? Just, just do it through your pants. Let it come down. When we get home, grandma will clean you up. And I could see the little boy was so uncomfortable. But father said, do it. Do it. So right in the store, right in the middle, I see the child standing in an uncomfortable position and then before I know, the peace streaming down and running down and down and then I look at this father and I said, this father you are no good because this is what you are teaching the child. The same child that you put in train, now you are teaching the child that when restroom is not around, you can pee on yourself. Now when the child goes to school and come back home with his clothing wet, Will you spank him? 
But just the other day, you taught him that when restrooms are not around, you can do it down right there. That's the lesson you taught the child. Is that the legacy you are leaving for your children? Is that the legacy? Let me close. Let me close. I know I'm on the clock. Let me close. Ready, watch this. I want to discuss this quickly and I'm done. Number one, role of the father. To be a cultivator. I want to say cultivator. That means you are the one who improves things around. Around the home. You are the one who improves things. The one who maximizes the ability of all the people in your household. You are designed to bring out the best of everyone, including your wife, in your household. This is why God never gives us a finished product. God will never give you a finished product. When you ask God for money, he gives you ideas. Someone say ideas. Ideas to earn money. When you ask God for a wife, everyone, he gives you a woman. Everyone say a woman. He doesn't give you a wife, he gives you a woman. He gives you a woman with the idea that because you are a cultivator, you will cultivate that woman to the level of being called a wife. So that when you go out with a woman, you can, when people see your wife, and they see your children, and they see how God they are taken care of, they will ask that who is the husband of this woman? God never gives a finished product. The reason why there are so many divorces is that men are looking forward for a finished product. But God is not giving you a finished product. He's giving you a woman that you can work on to improve and make her the best. Church, let me tell you this. My greatest joy is not when people say I have six children and they are all, I don't have six, I have three, by the way. My greatest joy is not when people say you have three children and they are all in church and they are all in ministry with you. That is not my greatest joy. Because before I know the children, I knew somebody. Amen? That person is my wife. Amen? My greatest joy is when people look at my wife and they begin to wonder, whose wife is this woman? I mean, whose husband is this woman? That is my greatest joy. You know why? Because that is the role of Jesus Christ. That is what Jude said. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. He says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. So the role of Jesus is to present the bride who is the church faultless before God. And that is your role as a husband. You are to bring your wife up to the level that when people see your wife, they wonder, who is this man? You are supposed to bring her up in order to be able to present her faultless before the eyes of people. Amen. Am I helping you? So God doesn't give finished products. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. God doesn't give finished products. God gives raw material. 
So work on your raw material. Work on your raw material. Now you're supposed to be the teacher. Everyone say teacher. Teacher of your family. There is a misconception here. There's a misconception here. God gave instructions to Adam, not Eve. The instructions were given to Adam before Eve got here. So when Eve wants to know anything about the instruction, who does he go to? He goes to Adam. So it means that Eve is supposed to look to Adam for information. So that is where the problem came. When Eve turned away from Adam and began to listen to Satan for instructions and information, there was a problem. Amen? So you are supposed to be the teacher of your family. Everyone say teacher. Say teacher. Don't be afraid. Say teacher. But some of us, we know who got drafted into the NBA. We know the names of all the NBA and the NFL players. But you don't even know who Malachi is. Or where to find the book of Obadiah. And yet you know the names of every Hollywood star out there. How much does that benefit you? Why don't you teach your family what the good book says about God? Almost done. Uncle. Everyone say uncle. Now, the word uncle, you're supposed to be the anchor of your family as a father. The anchor means to fasten, to stop, to keep at rest. So the presence of the father is an, is an anchor that keeps the family sure and steadfast. Amen? One problem here is that the strength of an anchor can only be tested against a storm. The strength of an anchor can only be tested against a storm. But notice something. The anchor does not stop the current. Rather, it stops the boat from being tossed over. Meaning that the presence of the father in the family will not stop the storm. But it can keep the family steady. Am I speaking to some men here? Your presence will not stop the storm, but it can keep your children straight and on the narrow path. Why? Because there is daddy home. Amen. The father is supposed to be the priest. Everyone say priest. The Bible says, when God created Adam, read your Bible carefully. He says, for he took the man that he had created and Place him. This is Adam. He took him and placed him in a place called Eden. Eden. And God says, this is where I want you to dwell. Now, Eden means enclosure. Everyone say enclosure. Eden means enclosure. The word enclosure here means a place that is saturated with the presence of the Lord. So, when God created man, woman is not the first thing God gave Adam. 
Work is not the first thing God gave Adam. Instruction is not even the first thing God gave Adam. The first thing God gave Adam is his presence. He said, I don't want you to be here. I don't want you to be here. I don't want you to be here. I want you to lie right here. So it's like God carried the lifeless body of Adam and said, Adam, this is the place I want you to rest. So the first thing God gave man is not a woman, it's not a job, it's not work, it's not instruction, it is his presence. So a man that don't know how to dwell in the presence of God, you miss it all. This day when a man cries in the presence of the Lord, people look at him funny. But if I don't cry before my God, who else should I cry to? Tell me about that. Crying before God as a man is not a sign of weakness. The Bible calls it brokenness before the Lord. Brokenness is not a sign of weakness. But these days, people think that being a man is having muscles. Showing your triceps and biceps. Going to the gym to work out. And you wear, you wear some cut down t-shirt. Just to show and flex your muscle all over the place. For people to see how much muscles you have built. But your muscle does not help anybody in your household. No sir. It doesn't help anybody. Your muscle is not what makes you a man. Your muscle is dwelling at the place where God placed you to dwell. And that is his presence. Amen? Foundation. The man is supposed to be the foundation of the family. Now, this is as simple as ABC. The man is supposed to be the foundation of the family. When God created humanity, he created the man first. And have you ever wondered why he created the man first and not the woman? Because God wanted everything else to rest upon the man. So he created the man first to be the foundation. There are a few things that I know about foundations. Foundations don't boast. They just do their job. I have never seen a foundation that says, hey, I am carrying the whole building. Everybody look at me. Normally we don't even see the foundations of buildings. You see the edifice, you see the nice carpeting, you see everything else, but you don't even see the foundation. Why? Because foundations are not meant to be seen, not just really seen, but they are meant to do their job. Everyone say do their job. So if you are the kind of man who go around boasting, you see how well I'm taking care of my family. You see how well my children are doing. You see how well. You know what? You don't need a Nobel Prize to be a good father. Are you hearing me? You don't need a Nobel Prize. That's why one has not yet been awarded yet. You don't need a Nobel Prize to be a good father. God created you. He put every resources in you. He put every potential in you. He put every ability in you. For you to be one a good father. Another thing, foundations don't talk. They just do their job. Say with me, foundations. 
don't talk. They just do their job. Foundations are solid and dependable, but they are not necessarily seen. Can we stand everywhere? Listen to me, brothers. Listen to me, my fellow men. The greatest responsibility you can ever have before a bishop or be a pastor or be anything else is to be a foundation for your family. Foundation. Good, solid foundation for your family. The greatest responsibility God will ever give you is to put in your hands a family for you to carry. Every time I see my family, I see myself as the one at the bottom of it. Why? Because I am carrying the family. Listen to me, church. Let me say this, and I'll run through the door because I know I might be attacked. <laughs> you are not the head of the house in that sense of family and society. You are not the head of the house because foundations don't go about. Where do foundations go? Believe you are a foundation. Stop going around boasting I am the head of the house who does nothing. You are the foundations of your family. Let's raise our hands everywhere. And say after me, Lord Jesus, make me the man, make me the father that God has created me to be. to be the foundation of your family. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.